chapter 24 verse 1 And Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple the temple was still being built hence why the apostles were keen to show him some of these new impressive buildings but my main point of interest here is the Lord's departure from the temple the next time the Lord would go into the temple he would be arrested he would be interrogated and he would be crucified his departure here is permanent the Lord is now switching permanently from Israel to the church which is going to be born just days later verse 2 and Jesus said unto them see ye not all these things verily I say unto you there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down a prophecy in reference to the temple's destruction in 70 AD 3 and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives the disciples came unto him privately saying tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world only Matthew's gospel lists those three questions and remember Matthew has written this I believe in 39 AD when shall these things be what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world this chapter is loaded with Bible prophecy and doctrine with historical and also spiritual application the preachists and the futurists have fought over this I would say probably more in the last 200 years than in the last 2000 years because really post the Reformation there was no interest in Bible prophecy but uh, I will do my best to read these verses and give you my thoughts as I go along I'm also very conscious of the fact that so far I've got about 10 hours already behind me so I don't want to spend too long going through this chapter and will simply give you the bullet points but uh, let's look at verse 4 and Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you not the apostles the apostles couldn't really be deceived they had been chosen they'd been anointed and they had a special ministry just a quick footnote if I may somebody sent me a video quite recently made with the intention of attacking the Apostle Paul the make of the video was arguing that Paul was the Antichrist this is nothing new it's been around for centuries but what I said to this concerned party was that if Paul had been the Antichrist then Matthew 16 is wrong because in Matthew 16 Jesus said that the gates of hell couldn't overcome the church the gates of hell couldn't annihilate the church of God if Paul had been the Antichrist if he had come in under the radar and deceived everybody then the Lord got it wrong from Matthew 16 Peter received Paul as an apostle and said that Paul's writings were scriptural Ananias was a leader in the early church and he was sent to baptize Paul Luke wrote about Paul's ministry and I believe that Luke was one of the 70 
from Luke 10 and Matthew 10. Barnabas also, I believe, was one of the 70, and he was also a Levite. He too worked very closely with the Apostle Paul. So I do not believe and have never believed that Paul was the Antichrist. In fact, to say that he was the Antichrist is sacrilege and it's a complete insult because most of the New Testament was written by Paul and I've always believed that Paul is the greatest man to ever live post John the Baptist and excluding the Lord Jesus Christ, of course. Take heed that no man deceive you. He's talking vicariously to those that are going to read this gospel, to those that are going to become Bible believers. Five, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Not just some, but many would come in his name. They wouldn't deceive a few, they would deceive many. Matthew chapter 7, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? They call him Lord twice. These are religious people. These are people that thought they were saved. They had a head knowledge, but their hearts hadn't been circumcised. They are also the tares from the 13th chapter, and some of them are the deceived from 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2, but more on that later. Many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ. Christ means Messiah. It means the anointed one. And there are many interpretations to this, but I will just list a few, if I may. The Popes of Rome claim to have produced 265 Popes, going back to Peter, and they give themselves these very grand, lavish titles. And one of their titles, which they like to use is that of Messiah. The Pope believes that he has the authority that when he speaks he is Christ on the earth. So he would quite easily fit into this condemnation and they have deceived billions of people. As of making this video in 2012 there are over 1 billion Roman Catholics around the world. Most of those Catholics believe that the Pope is Christ's vicar. If Christ had a vicar, it wouldn't be the Pope of Rome, it would be the Holy Spirit. But he has deceived many. Also, the term Christ, Messiah, Anointed One, takes me back to previous videos that I've made when I look at the Charismatics and the Pentecostals, and they claim to be God's Anointed. And they will say to anybody who dares to criticize them, touch not thine anointed. They too have deceived many people. But uh, here the Lord is speaking to the apostles. 30 AD, he's already referred to the temples, soon destruction from verse 2. And he knows that after he's died and gone back to glory, many false prophets, many false messiahs would arrive and deceive many. And many did arrive. And many were deceived. So he's speaking, as always, to his initial audience, 70 AD, really. But eschatologically, he's looking into the future, into all of the popes of Rome, who have deceived many. 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Ye, plural. He's speaking to everybody now. There's always been rumours of wars, 
but if we look back over the last 100 years or so there have been more wars especially in the 20th century than the last 200, 400 or 600 years prior to that many wars in the last century two world wars two Iraq wars in fact the last Iraq war fell into the 21st century in 2003 but here we are in 2012 and again there are wars and rumors of wars the Middle East once again looks like it's gearing up for another war whether it's going to be Iran or Syria we don't know but the rumors continue to abound but he says don't be troubled for these things must come to pass but the end is not yet not necessarily wars per se but just the rumors of war just the room itself can put people into a panic but these things have to occur but the end won't follow straight away 7 for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places nation against nation has always occurred as I say the 20th century had a lot of nations fighting one another two world wars Korea Vietnam but here kingdom against kingdom I've always thought that could really be in reference to a nation fighting itself civil war and civil war has also been on the increase a lot over the past 100 years but as a result of this pestilences earthquakes in diverse places and famines many people starving around the world it's increased tenfold I would say over the past 100 years all these things are pointing to the second coming but remember a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day meaning that with the Lord time is irrelevant God lives outside of time but for us we live in time and therefore we watch every event on the news every article that we read we wonder is this the beginning of something and more often than not it's not but these things are going to occur they are going to continue to build up and he wants his people not to fret not to panic but just to be mindful that these things are all eventually leading up to something quite magnificent i.e. his second coming 8 all these are the beginning of sorrows the great tribulation is really in two parts the beginning of sorrows is three and a half years and the great tribulation is three and a half years we put them together and that's where we get the seven years from but here 8 tells us that the things that have gone before that from 5, 6 and 7 are going to lead up they are going to start the ball rolling as far as the beginning of sorrows is concerned 9 then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake this has some reference to the lead up to 70 AD Paul of course was treated very badly he was arrested he was tortured but he wasn't hated of all nations really yes he was put to death as were most of the apostles but he wasn't hated in fact the apostles weren't hated by all nations this for me is twofold the Lord is talking to his apostles 30 AD he has the temple's destruction in mind 70 AD but he has also those living 
during the tribulation in mind also. All nations will hate you and they will deliver you up and they will kill you. It didn't happen in 70 AD. All nations of the world didn't hate Christians in 70 AD. The Roman Empire did for the most part because the Christians wouldn't worship the Roman emperors. But all nations per se, no. But in the tribulation, yes, I believe in the tribulation, all nations will hate Bible believers. That's why this is really focusing on the great tribulation. 10. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Christians turn against Christians, the wheat and the tares will be very evident here those that are not really saved will show their true colors 11 and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many false prophets preaching peace preaching prosperity trying to deceive people not only can this have a reference to the false teachers deceiving God's people and even a saved person can be deceived temporarily but this can also be in reference to those that deny the existence of God. They will deceive many people. They will teach Darwinism. They will push for more genetics and cloning. And they will introduce more laws to make it harder for Bible believers to live a life which honors God. But here, these false prophets are gonna arise and deceive many. And for me, it goes back to the wheat and the tares. 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Again, that can be in reference to a saved party. A saved party can backslide and even become cold. But uh, if they are the Lord's, they will always be the Lord's. And if they weren't the Lord's, then they end up being condemned at the great white throne. But uh, we were told to always be worshipping the Lord, always be singing psalms in our hearts to the Lord, and praying without ceasing. We need to keep ourselves active otherwise we can wax cold and what we don't want to ever find ourselves experiencing is the lukewarmness which is condemned in Revelation 13 but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved this normally gets quoted by fully blown dispensationalists to advocate that one needs to endure the saved man or woman has to continue to do A, B and C during the tribulation in order to be saved. That's not what I believe. I believe that we've all been saved the same way, pre and post the cross through our faith in the one true God. But in the tribulation you have to endure, if you are one of the tribulation saints, unto the end of the tribulation in order to be saved from the deception because of the false prophets in 11, because of the increase of iniquity from 12, and because people are gonna end up hating one another from verse 10. So you have to endure the time of the great tribulation. You have to remain faithful unto death in order to receive a full reward. But I do not believe you have to do A, B, and C I do not believe you have to keep the law, you have to be a Sabbath keeper, blah blah blah, in order to be saved. I do not believe in faith and works for the tribulation or for any dispensation for that matter. 14. 
and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come the end hasn't occurred yet however in Romans chapter 10 the gospel had been preached to the ends of the earth and Romans was written around 56 AD there was only one gospel found in the New Testament and that gospel is to believe with all of your heart that Jesus is the Savior and that you need to trust him in order to be saved that is the gospel any other gospel which doesn't tally with that is accursed according to Galatians chapter 1 15 when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place whoso readeth let him understand then let him which be in Judea flee into the mountains let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes and woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter neither on the sabbath day for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no nor ever shall be and except those days should be shortened there should no flesh be saved but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened okay several verses have been read rather rapidly there but uh, from verse 15 the Lord quotes Daniel in reference to the abomination of desolation and again due to time restrictions which I put on myself all I will say now is that during the tribulation the Antichrist will be on the earth there will be a Jewish temple and he will desecrate that temple haven't got the time to go into that anymore other than to say that I've done a video on Revelation an almost verse by verse presentation and I've done other videos on Bible prophecy so you may wish to view those videos in conjunction with this one also but here again the Lord is looking at the temple in 70 AD which was desecrated when the Romans surrounded it and starved the Jews and many were massacred but also he's looking I believe into the great tribulation anybody who thinks that Matthew 24 is aimed at the church please look at 16 Judea 20 the Sabbath day very much Jewish we don't keep the Sabbath Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that Christ is our Sabbath rest 21 the tribulation will be great and unless the days were shortened from 22 no flesh would be saved it hasn't happened yet but for the elect's sake those days are shortened the elect in this context I put to you is in reference to the 144,000 they have to do what they do in order to get the gospel preached and if it wasn't for those people everybody would be put to death Revelation should be read in conjunction with Matthew 24 and as a futurist again I don't see how anybody can not be a futurist when reading through the book of Revelation because most of what we find in Revelation especially from chapter 4 onwards has not occurred yet and most of what we are reading now in 
chapter 24 didn't happen in 70 AD, hence why I'm not a pre-trust. 23. Then, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. He's already laid the foundation for this great deception, and here he's simply reaffirming that if people start to proclaim that Christ is here or he is there, do not believe such a party. Why? 24. And there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. Thankfully, it's not possible. But they are going to deceive many people. People whose hearts weren't right. And these are the people that are going to be found, like I've already said, in Matthew 7 at the great white throne. 25. Behold, I have told you before. That's a solemn warning. I've already told you. You are now without excuse. 26. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be, meaning everybody will see him. Every eye will see him. Yes, you'll have television. Yes, you'll have the internet. But every eye will see him. Everybody is going to see him at the end of the great tribulation. Not the rapture, but the end of the tribulation when he comes back to the earth. 28. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. I've already spoken about letterism during previous chapters and the risk of taking every verse to be literal, but here I have no reason to not take this to be a literal account of what is going to occur. Every eye will see him and the earth is going to mourn. The cross references here would be from verse 30 to be read in conjunction with Colossians 3, 4. 29, no sun or moon. You may want to go to Joshua chapter 10, 12 to 13 and see what happened the last time there was no sun or moon. Pitch black, a pitch of darkness as well. 31. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the one end of heaven to the other. Here's a picture of those living on the earth that have survived the tribulation, and the angels are going to gather them all up together and take them up to Jerusalem. But also by this stage, according to Revelation 19, the church have come back with the Lord also. And maybe the angels are going to gather them too. I don't know. All I do know is that we were told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that we would be with the Lord forever. So here I will leave this really 
in reference to tribulation saints, not the church that had been raptured pre the tribulation. 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender, and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. The generation living during the tribulation, that generation. Not those living in 30 AD, because those living in 30 AD, those living in 70 AD, which is a 40 year difference by the way, didn't experience all those things. But the generation living during the tribulation will see all those things. 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Heaven and earth haven't passed away yet. His words will never pass away. One day heaven and earth will pass away, and we get a new heaven and a new earth. But he's put his word above his name. Keep that in mind also. Scripture cannot be broken. If you change the scripture, if you add to the scripture, you forfeit your place in the kingdom of God. Revelation 22. But let's read on. 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Jesus, as the Son of Man, lived in total submission to God the Father. He emptied himself and took upon himself the form of a servant. So here, only the Father knows the exact hour all this is going to occur. 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Noah is spelt N-O-E, so the H has been omitted, but No is still Noah. Noah's generation were living and partying right up until the flood came. They wouldn't believe that judgment was soon to occur, so they snubbed Noah and they lived like there wasn't any tomorrow. They lived for the here and now. Not much has changed. Not much has changed really since then, but this is what is going to happen right up until the Lord's coming. 100 years ago, 200 years ago, most people in the UK were very conscious of the Bible. The last days, there was a great interest in the things of God. You couldn't have read Matthew 24 back in Victorian times and really been able to apply these verses because most people went to church in Victorian times in fact to not go to church to not be a Christian would have been frowned upon but today in the 21st century most people don't go to church they have no idea of who God is what the gospel is or what's going to happen at the end of the world hence why there is such an interest in UFOs and the occult and the paranormal activities so on and so forth and DVDs and movies portraying vampires and Ouija boards and 
all these things to do with the paranormal because people don't know what the Bible says they have no interest in the things of God and when the judgment comes they too will be living and partying like there is no tomorrow 40 then shall two be in the field the one shall be taken and the other left two women shall be grinding at the mill the one shall be taken and the other left 40 and 41 should be read in conjunction with 31 when the angels gather the elect and I believe take them up to Jerusalem this is not I believe a reference to a post tribulational rapture but simply the gathering together of the elect to go up to Jerusalem one party is going to be taken the other will be left behind a picture of judgment 42 watch therefore for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come but know this that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the son of man cometh not the rapture one more time this is not speaking about the rapture this is the second coming when the Lord physically returns to the earth and no we have no idea when that is going to occur hence why we are always about our father's business but again this is the Lord speaking to the Jewish apostles from verse 1 looking into the Jewish temple's destruction in 70 AD and also into the third Jewish temple in the great tribulation and he sees many being deceived many people coming to the temple in the tribulation believing that they are coming to meet the Messiah and in reality they are coming to meet the Antichrist and I've done videos on that as well 45 who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods but and if that evil servant shall say in his heart my Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour when he is not aware of it and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth 48 the term evil servant doesn't sound like a saved man or woman to me a saved party in the New Testament is called a sheep a saint bone of his bone flesh of his flesh an unsaved party in the New Testament is called a tear is called a goat is even called a dog but here an evil servant can't be in reference to a saved person because we were told that we are no longer servants but friends of the Lord this has to be in reference to somebody who wasn't saved to begin with head knowledge yes heart knowledge heart circumcision 
a regenerated life? No. But here, this term evil servant, I put to you, is in reference to an unsaved party, a tear, a goat, and even a dog, who was never saved to begin with.